Welcome to the Birth Warrior Podcast. In each episode, we feature the stories of birth warriors, women who have persevered to find their own truth in pregnancy and birth. As you hear these women share their stories of love, autonomy, connection, and power, it is our deepest wish that you will be inspired, empowered, and supported to find your own truth. We are honored these women have stepped forward to share their personal stories and to help us remember that we all have the power to choose what is right for us. The Birth Warrior Podcast is a presentation of the Indie Birth Association and is not intended to be medical advice. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Birth Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Jaden Graham, and on today's episode, we have Evan. Evan Gollum is a mother of four wife to a very supportive husband, doula, certified lactation consultant, and is on the journey to becoming a midwife. In sharing the stories of her various birth experiences, which includes second trimester loss, three home births, and shoulder dystocia, Evan hopes to inspire women to explore their options, find a supportive provider, and to really lean into and work through their fears. And because I am recording this intro on Christmas night, um, I just wanted to wish everyone that listens to this podcast and your loved ones a very happy and sweet and cozy holidays. And I'm wishing you all a uh, super happy New Year's. And I hope uh, your 2022 is filled with a lot of joy and many, many, many beautiful moments. Thank you so much for being here. And here's the episode. Hi, Evan. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Hi. Hi. Um, Yeah, wherever you would like to begin your story, please share. Okay. Um, So my story starts with um, the birth of my first daughter, I have had, I have four kids and I had a miscarriage as well. So my daughter will be turning eight in January. Her birth was a hospital birth. Um, when I got pregnant with her, I didn't really know much about the birth world or anything. I was pretty naive. I just assumed I could show up at the hospital and give birth to my baby naturally. I didn't know that um, there were things kind of like in the way of that. So I was pretty naive. I read the only book I read during my first pregnancy was what to expect when you're expecting. Um, It's a super informative book, but it's also you know, like a really medicalized version of what birth looks like. So I live in a small town and we only had like two, three obstetricians to choose from. So I asked around and was suggested this one obstetrician. All of the ones that are local here to me were male. So I started seeing a male obstetrician, um, He was okay. I didn't really like interview anybody. I just picked one and that was it. And I'd go to my appointments. They were brief. He was kind of condescending to me in my prenatal meetings. And I would like ask questions to him and he would seem kind of um, like put out or rushed. And 
So I didn't really feel super comfortable asking him questions. Um, but I guess I didn't really know that there was anything better. I just thought, you know, he's a doctor, he's busy, whatever. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. he did suggest for me to take like the hospital class that they offer for first time moms. And I did that class. And one of the things that sort of stood out at that class was the nurse, she was one of the labor and the delivery nurses, said that um, most women don't go past their due dates because they can get induced as soon as they're full term. Mm -hmm. So like to them, that meant like at the end of your 37th week, you could book your induction. And that's, I guess, what everyone was doing in this practice. So um, I guess it wasn't like a huge red flag for me or anything. I just was like, well, that's not what I'm doing. I'm going to labor at home as long as possible and go to the hospital and have my baby. Um, but when I got to thir the end of my 37th week, my doctor was like, okay, when do you want to book your induction? And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm not doing that. I'm waiting for my baby um, to come. Right. So then I came yeah. back the next week. And he's like, all right, when are you booking your induction? And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not booking an induction. So at 39 weeks, he was like, you need to book your induction for next week. And I was like, why though? Like, and he was like, well, there's really no um, reason for a baby to stay in any longer. And I was like, well, I want to have a natural birth. I don't want an epidural. And he was like, and I don't want Pitocin. I heard Pitocin contractions were a lot different. And he was like, no, that's simply not true. Pitocin contractions are exactly the same as normal contractions. And, um, you know, every woman says she wants to do it natural. And by the time she's four centimeters, she's begging for an epidural. So just get the epidural. You'll be fine. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. But then basically I was like, well, how long will you let me, like how long, like when do I have to be induced by then? And he was like, you have to be induced. Um, I'll let you go to next week. So 40 weeks and I'm going to book your induction and you can go to the hospital right now and have a non-stress test. And as long as everything's okay, I'll let you wait until next week, Tuesday or whatever. So, yeah, I left the hospital yeah. and was like um, freaking out because, you know, I was 39 weeks pregnant. I didn't want to be induced. We went and had the non-stress test. Everything was fine with the baby. And I spent the next week doing everything I possibly could to try to get the baby to come. But I was 39 weeks pregnant, a first-time mom. Mm -hmm. So... She didn't, you know, I didn't go into labor, surprise. And the day before um, my scheduled induction, my husband and I were like, um, what are we going to do? You know, like I knew that I could say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to wait. I knew that was an option. But back then, I, I, was, I was really afraid of my doctor, I guess, not like scared of him, but like, I didn't want to stand up to him, you know, like he made me feel so mm -hmm. small that it was hard to be like, I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. So when 
when, um, you know, the day before we're like deciding what to do, all of the decisions we made for me to like go ahead with this induction, um, like I think of them now and I'm like, I would totally not do that now. But back then, like they seemed valid, you know, like my husband's um, boss was like, okay, here's your leave. It starts today, you know? So we were like, well, if I wait a week and for labor to start, or maybe even two, like he's not even going to get any paternity leave, which I'm sure that we could have talked to him and worked it out. Right. But mm-hmm. whatever, that was mm-hmm. one of the reasons. And, um, I was like, well, what if I wait and then the baby still doesn't come by whatever day and I still need to be induced and then he's just even meaner to me, you know? Mm. So I was like, I'm fine. I'm going to do it. I'll get induced, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I was 40 weeks and like she was due on the 12th and I think I went in on the 13th of January Mm. in 2014. Um, Mm. Went in really early. The nurse got me all set up. Um, My, the, the way they do it there for inductions is the doctor comes in, he breaks your water, they start Pitocin and then you see what happens, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. So when he first came in to break my water, Like, I didn't realize he was going to break my water. He was going to, like, he was doing a vaginal check. And then he was like, and I'm breaking your water. And I was not ready at all. I was not ready to be in labor. I was not ready to be a mom. I was not ready. So everything in me just, like, fought it. And so, like, I really tensed up. Like, I was, um, what's the right word? I was resisting. And he was trying to break my water and I just couldn't let him do it. And he wasn't able to do it, which I mean, at that point, I was probably only like two centimeters anyway. And I don't know if he could have got in there to break it, um, but it didn't work out. So he kind of like threw his gloves down and was like, if you're not going to let me do that to you, I don't see how you're um, ever going to give birth without an epidural. And stormed out. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So that like set the tone for like my whole birth. Like every time I knew he was coming, like I was like dreading it, you know, like whatever. So he came back um, and tried again to break my water. And again, the same thing happened. It was probably around noontime. And I just, for whatever reason, I couldn't lean into it. And he, um, still couldn't break my water. He was like, I think I nicked it, but I don't know. I'll be back. And all this time they kept turning up the Pitocin and, um, finally around like five o'clock he came back and my husband was with me and my friend was with me. And I looked at them and was like, okay, guys, like I need your help to let him do this. Like, I need you to help keep me calm so I can relax enough and open up enough to let him just do it. So they like helped me calm down and breathe and get comfortable enough to let, allow him to break my water. And this time it was successful. So he broke my water and, um, 
shortly after that, my contractions started getting intense, more intense. Um, before that, they were kind of just like menstrual cramps. I, the whole day, they had been asking me, do you want an epidural? And I had been like, no, it's not even that bad. I don't need an epidural. And then they came again, and they were starting to get more intense. And I was like, no, I don't want one. And they're like, well, the anesthesiologist is going home. Are you sure you don't want one? And I was like, no, I don't want one. So he left, and I labored for a long time um, with the contractions getting more intense. But when you get induced, you have like a pole with the blood pressure cuff, and it goes off every 15 minutes, and they're giving you mm -hmm. all these fluids. You have to pee every 15 minutes. So I had to keep getting up, going to the bathroom, coming back. Everything's beeping, making all mm -hmm. this noise. It was really distracting. So um, yeah, it was just really hard to get in a good groove. And at one point I was like, please just turn the Pitocin down. I'm not getting any breaks. And they were like, no, we can't. I tried, I was vocalizing, I was using a birth ball, um, all these things, but I just, I wasn't getting a break and I wasn't finding relief. The things that like worked earlier on weren't working anymore. Um, and I had been checked and they were like, okay, you're five centimeters. And then some time passed and they came to check me again. And in my head, I was like, if they check me again and I'm still five centimeters, I'm getting the epidural. I'm not going to do this anymore. It sucks. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm sure the nurse knew that too. So when she came in, she was like, yeah, you're still five centimeters. And I was like, okay, bring the epidural. And my friend who was with me had been um, really like, she doesn't want it. She doesn't want it. And the nurse was like, you have to be the one to say that you want it. Um, and I was like, yes, please bring it. You know, like I do want mm -hmm. it. Um, my friend was really mad because she was like, we told them you didn't want it. They kept asking you like, whatever. So she got upset and she left for a while um, and I got the epidural and then I, it only worked on half of my body. Mm. So what, what's the point of that? You know, like, yeah, yeah. they were lay sideways in the bed and maybe it'll seep over that way. Well, I mm. mean, it just wasn't really that effective. So mm. I was still in pain, but I was like calm enough now to, um, like try to get some rest. It was nighttime. I hadn't eaten all day. My husband laid down for a little bit. My mom showed up. She kind of like held my hand um, through the night, which was really sweet. You know, like I felt like a little kid almost with my mom watching over me like moms do when their kids are sick. Mm -hmm. um, so like it was kind of her job. I had her being like, okay, tell me when a contraction ends, like on the monitor like peaks and it's coming back down. So like, as soon as she was like, okay, it's coming back down. I could like relax or something. It's so silly to me now to think of like looking at contractions on a monitor. Cause I've given birth mm -hmm. so much differently now, but that, that mm -hmm. was the hospital birth, you know? Yeah. So, um, they didn't, when I took the birth class at the hospital, they said, you don't need to get a catheter if you don't want one. So I was like, okay, I don't want one. Um, and I was allowed to use like a bedpan. 
but at throughout the night, um, I guess like I was saying, it was such a pain in the ass to get up. Well, plus I had the epidural, so I couldn't get up, but you know, like I was guess I was like peeing in the bed and like the nurse didn't know that she should have known it, I guess, from checking the pads, but I guess also like my water was broke. So maybe she couldn't tell the difference, but mm. I wasn't like vocal about that. So she came to check me. Um, and I was like, I, she said, maybe you have to pee. You haven't peed in a while. So I tried to pee in this bedpan and nothing came out. So she was like, we have to give you a catheter. So they tried to give me this catheter and they couldn't get it in. And I was like, I can feel it. It sucks. It hurts. Please stop. And they're like, no, we need to empty your bladder. And I'm like, but I, like, I don't want you to like stop. And they're like, no, we have to. She got another nurse to come try. And what I think happened is they must not have like pushed it in all the way and tried to like inflate the ball because my body just started like heaving forward, trying to like push. And mm. I, for a while I thought it was the, like the fetal ejection reflex and my body was trying to push the baby out. But mm. now I think it, that they like inflated it in my urethra a little and my body was mm. like, get it out, get it out. Cause I was like heaving and just like, couldn't stop myself. And they mm. pulled it out. There was no urine in there anyway. Um, and they're like, oh yeah, the baby's right there you must be ready to deliver. And I'm like, okay. So they broke the bed and the room got busy. It was all the lights and stuff. And um, the doctor came in and, you know, I was like trying to put, it was time to push it. My friend was back. I'm starting to push. I was really excited because I could finally feel movement. Like I had this feeling that I had to poop for so long and now like something was moving. So I was like, yes, this is awesome. But the doctor like kept putting his hands down there and like trying to like hold her head so it wouldn't go back in. Mm. And I was like, she's coming fine. She's coming fast enough. Like, it's not like she, it was taking forever. Just let me do it. Let me push her out by myself. Yeah. I don't need your hands on there. And he's like, no, um, I'm helping. I'm helping. Okay. God. Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> and back then, like, like, I guess everyone was just stunned or shocked or like, I don't know why I wasn't more like, stop touching me, get off me or why my husband wasn't like, she said, stop, you know, like we all just, I guess, trusted him mm -hmm. or listened to him or were afraid of him. I don't know. So, it's so anyway. hard. I just, I just have to interject right there. It's so hard. Cause I, I was in the hospital, but like it, it's so hard that, you know, when you're in that position, especially as a first time mom, that there's like other people that are in these, you know, so-called authority positions that you just, I don't know, it's, it's a really vulnerable place to be in, especially because they have this knowledge, but it's a very, fine line to where they can use it to benefit you or to totally manipulate and manipulate the situation and benefit themselves and just kind of act like, oh, well, I have all this knowledge. So, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. Plus the fact that you're, you know, as the mom, like in this totally open, raw and vulnerable state, you're not, you're not on earth. 
anymore. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're you're in a totally different place. And then also too with the partners, you know, again, it's this whole like, you know, what is I, I feel like it's kind of one of those things. It's a very delicate line of like, oh, what's crossing the line and like, you know, what's too much crossing the line and what can create tension to where this can actually be worse for my partner that's going through labor. Like I, I completely right. get that. And it's, it's hard. It's, it's a very, it's a very hard place to be in for sure. I get it. Yeah. 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 Because I can look back and be like, why did I do that? But when you're in the moment, it just, sometimes you act differently than you would want Exactly. To, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Totally. So my daughter was born. The cord was around her neck at least once, maybe twice. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, but I know that she was pretty pale and limp and they became, fr quickly became frantic um, and the doctor kind of like threw the scissors at my husband and was like, hurry, cut it. And my husband cut the cord and they whisked her away to the corner. And I'm like, is she okay? Like, you know, and it took, it felt like an eternity before they were like, yes, your daughter's fine. And mm -hmm. brought her over to me all wrapped up with the gook in her eyes and, um, a little hat on and, um, you know, the doctor had to stitch me up a little and was like, well, good thing you got the epidural. Uh -huh. And um, mm -hmm. whatever. But, mm -hmm. you know, like at the same time, like after everyone left the room and it was just me and my husband and our daughter, like my husband was like, oh, my God, that was so intense. And I was like, yeah. Even though, like, all that stuff happened, like, I was like, whoa, like, that was awesome. I did that. Like, I still felt so powerful mm -hmm. that I did that, you know, like, mm -hmm. some of it still came through. Mm -hmm. So I was grateful for that. And, you know, I wasn't really, like, I guess I could be mad at myself that I chose to get induced. Like, I knew I had a choice and then I made it, right? But, mm -hmm. like, about the epidural, I was like, yeah, I did that, whatever. My, you know, like, I just kind of forgot the whole thing until I was pregnant with my next baby. You know, like, it happened. I made those choices, but it was still awesome. She breastfed really well. I've been really lucky to have, like, really easy breastfeeding relationships with my babies. So, you know, I moved past it. Um, yeah. My... Yeah. Yeah. So that was my daughter Lily's birth. I feel kind of sad now, you know, like she's like, I was the only one born in the hospital. You know, how come I wasn't born at home? But it was a learning experience for me. And I don't think if mm -hmm. I went through that, that I would have went in the direction I went. Like if I had a pristine hospital birth that I loved, I probably never would have sought home birth, you know? Mm -hmm. Totally. So, totally. I, I did, like, think, like, maybe one day I would, like, write my doctor a letter and tell him, but what difference would it make, really? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> so, my I found out I was pregnant with my second child the day after my daughter turned one. Um, and 
before I found out I was pregnant, I had contacted our local midwife to see if I could do just like well women care with her and get to know her a little because I knew that we were trying to have another baby soon. Um, and by the time I got an appointment with her, I was already pregnant. So um, I met her and decided to work with her. Um, and, you know, the appointments were so different. I got to sit with a woman and talk for like an hour about whatever was coming up in my life and talk about home birth and learn about home birth. And um, I read different books. Like I read some Ina May stuff and Birthing from Within and Birth Without Fear. And I... Um, you know, just really prepared myself for a different type of um, birth. And I knew I didn't want to go back to the hospital. Um, and I was fairly certain that if I did have to transfer, I would not be going to our local hospital anyway. But um, so I worked with her and it was really great. Um, let's see, my son... I, my, that pregnancy went to 41 weeks. Um, I wasn't really in a rush to get him out. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I knew that I would probably go till at least 40 weeks. Cause that's what I did with my daughter. Um, and so I was in the bathtub with my daughter. Um, during that pregnancy, we did a lot of like bath painting and, mm -hmm. uh, I had, like, painted these eyes and some water and, like, lips that were, like, saying, like, vocalizing. And that was, like, my ideal birth was that, like, I would have my husband there to, like, look in his eyes that there would be water and that I would be vocalizing. Like, those were the only things mm -hmm. I necessarily wanted for my birth. Um, mm -hmm. And that's when labor started in that bath. Um, and it was just active labor from the start, really like short contract or five to seven minutes. It came on really quick. Um, my mom came and picked up my daughter. My midwife showed up. Um, my friend showed up. We had a birth tub. Um, I mostly labored on my hands and knees the, in the birth tub the whole time, like moving was terrifying because every time I moved I would have like a worse contraction the next <laughs> contraction and they were double peaking and I just yeah so mm -hmm. I stayed in the same position for a long time and I think when my midwife had arrived she was like you're gonna have a baby soon and, you know it was probably like nine at night and um she could just tell kind of from where my contractions were that I was pretty close. And then the hours kind of started ticking by. And I think she was like, what is taking? So like, what's going on? You know? And it wasn't mm -hmm. a terribly long birth, but for her, she's like, I don't know. Like, why, why are you having such frequent contractions and nothing's happening? Um, mm. So at some point she like checked me and was like, you know, I could break your water. That might help. And I was like, no, I'm good. Mm -hmm. And then a little more time went by. And I think she offered again, or maybe by then I was like, okay, yeah, bring my water. Mm -hmm. I'm ready. So 
And she might have even been like, I think like you can try to break it. You just could like pinch, pinch it and twist. And I feel like I tried, but I couldn't. And I was like, okay, fine. You just do it. Um, Hmm. So she broke my water and like almost right away, I, it was, I was started pushing. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, like when I, for my daughter's birth in the hospital, I was like afraid of pushing because I was like, if the contractions are this bad, pushing's going to be way worse. But then I thought that pushing was actually the easy part in the hospital. And then like pushing this baby out was really not the same sensations that I remembered from my daughter, which, I mean, I did have like a partial epidural in the hospital, but he just felt so big, like so huge in my pelvis. And, um, his head was born like so slow. Like it was like a millimeter at a time. It came out. Um, and I remember that like the ring of fire only lasts like 30 seconds max but I was like this is not true like it just took so long to get his head out it was such mm-hmm. a tight squeeze for him and um I was in the birth tub and I remember my midwife saying don't bring his head out of the water keep his head under the water and I was like okay I didn't know but later she said like maybe if you it might have been like you don't want to put it up and then back in, obviously, but mm-hmm. um, that if you tried to like take a breath while he was still inside, that that would not be good. I don't know. Um, so she said keep his keep his body underwater, but like he wasn't he wasn't coming out. Um, I can't remember. Like I know I don't know how I which position I started in, but like I know I went. From being like belly up, no, I was like hands and knee, knees on the side of the tub. So like kind of like kneeling and then like a contract, I couldn't get him out. And then I flipped to hands and knees, couldn't get him out. She said, okay, flip over to your belly. Another contraction, I was pushing and he still wasn't coming. And she gave me this look that... Like, I wasn't scared. She was calm, but she was very serious and was like, I think I need you out of the tub. So I was like, okay. And everyone helped me stand up. And the baby's head was just like totally out between my legs. And I was like, this is so bizarre. Um, so I like lifted my leg high up over the edge of the tub and then got my other leg down and squatted next to the tub and a contraction came and I started pushing and my friend counted to 10 and he didn't budge. And then again, pushing. And then finally he came out. Um, so my midwife said, Oh my goodness, Evan, look at him. No wonder it took so long. He's got to be 10 pounds. And for me, I'm four foot nine. So I'm kind of small. So and also, I thought it was funny because in those final weeks of pregnancy, I thought I was measuring small, and then I went and had this pretty big baby. He was not 10 pounds. He was 9 pounds even, but he was a big baby for me. Um, and she said, he's okay. He's okay. Put your hand on his chest. You can feel his heart beating. And I was like, 
so out of it and just bewildered by what had just happened. Like it was so intense. Um, and I put my hand on his chest and I could feel his heart beating and he kind of came around and I got back in the tub and delivered my placenta and all that. And, um, yeah, that was his, that was his birth. Um, um, later on, like in the coming days, she was like, yeah, that was, you had a shoulder dystocia. That's what that was. Like, it's a Mm. kind of like a complication and his shoulder was stuck and we, you know, had to move you around to get him out when he came out. And, um, she said, when you lifted your leg up over the tub, I saw him shift. So she thinks that like that action of me climbing out of the tub kind of helped free his shoulder. Mm -hmm. So, um, then I was like, okay, well, if I have more babies, like how can I prevent that? You know? Um, my son had like a really funny, um, cone shaped head and like this weird indent on his head for a while. So like, I know he, he was a tight squeeze, but, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and she's like, well, it could be genetic or it could be, you know, maybe you had undiagnosed gestational diabetes. I don't know. Mm. So, um, She was like, and if you have more babies, we'll maybe we'll look into that, you know. So Mm -hmm. that was, I felt pretty great. I was like, yeah, I had a home birth. That was awesome. I can do it. Mm -hmm. I didn't need an epidural. Hooray, Mm -hmm. you know. Hooray. Bounce back really quick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. Um, My next pregnancy was my loss. Um, Mm -hmm. I won't say much about it. Um, but it was a second trimester miscarriage. I found out Mm -hmm. that she had passed when she was 15 weeks. Um, it's actually coming up on the anniversary of her passing on the 5th of December. Um, and then I carried her until 20 weeks and went to the hospital to be induced. And I, um, lost a lot of blood. I needed two bags of blood for a blood um, blood transfusion and um, that the last part I'll say about the story is that um, they didn't want to let us bring the baby home um, from the hospital like it was a whole rigmarole but the nurse Mm -hmm. that I had kind of planted the seed of you know like sometimes placentas go missing So my husband and I ended up, um, like smuggling our baby out of the hospital, (laughs) which I think is kind of like a triumphant thing because, you know, they wanted to take her either for medical waste or to send her to a funeral home to be cremated. And I was just grieving and was like, no, you're not going to take my baby. Like, no. Um, Yeah. And at a pregnancy that far along they don't even like give you a death certificate so like technically my baby didn't even exist to them but they didn't want to let me have her right so yeah that makes no sense yeah it really didn't but the part of the story that I love the most is that like I had shown up there with this little cigar box that I had made and um We put her in there and then when it was time to check out or 
whatever leave the next day they were like and what were you gonna do with the baby and you know we're just like well they already came and got her and they were like oh okay and then we just left and we got to like come home and have like a kind of like ceremony on our land and that was really really huge for the healing of that so Mm. yeah um but I got pregnant pretty quickly after my miscarriage, probably about like two cycles after my loss. I was really surprised that like after a miscarriage like that, for me, my period returned like clockwork a month later, um, which I thought it would have took longer, but my body didn't take longer. So on my mm-hmm. second um, cycle after the loss, I got pregnant. It might have been too soon, but I guess that's just the way that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think energetically for you it was too soon, or do you think, or or do you mean like physically or emotionally? Uh, well, it was just a really hard pregnancy on me emotionally, right? But I yeah. don't know if I would have waited if it would have it would have still been hard. Just pregnancy after loss is just hard. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, like, my daughter was born, uh, my rainbow baby was born on November 29th, 2018, and my miscarriage baby was due May 29th, 2018. So, Mm -hmm. like, it kind of was, like, six months difference, which I kind of like the number 29, so it, Mm it fit well, but. It was a difficult pregnancy and my home births, I choose to have a one second trimester scan. Um, so that was like really hard to wait for getting mm-hmm. through the trimester. First trimester after a loss is really, really heavy stuff. You know, you have to get through it however you can. And um, let's see. So I got to that second trimester scan and saw that everything was okay. But I still was like, you know, like, even though it looks like everything's okay, like, what if it's not, you know, like, Mm -hmm. judging from everything we knew about our baby that we lost, like, everything looked okay about her. Like, all her tests revealed, like, that she was fine. Like, they couldn't figure out what happened, you know. So, um... I feel like I just like held my breath almost the entire pregnancy, you know, people would be like, well, that can't happen again. Or just would like try to brush off this like fear I had. And it just made me angry. You know, like you don't know what you're talking about. Like lightning struck me once. Maybe it will strike me again. I don't know. How do you know? You know, because that's life, Mm -hmm. right? Like life. Mm -hmm. We're not in control, you know? So, totally. Yeah, like I think about how people are like, oh, well, once you get to 12 weeks, then it's safe to share. And I'm like, since that wasn't true for me, I'm like, that's not, maybe it's not, you know, like, I don't know. But yeah. So, working through my pregnancy, I, um, 
finally started to feel better in the third trimester. My baby was super active and that was a huge blessing because having a super active baby after a loss just kind of helps you, you know, have faith that everything's okay. Um, mm-hmm. But then um, some really terrible things happened in the local home birth circle to some of the moms. Like one of the moms who, um, like, I don't really know her well, but I knew her that she was having a home birth with the same midwife and she gave birth to a full born, stillborn baby. Um, mm. So like, she her baby was alive and then somewhere in labor died and that Mm. really freaked me and Mm. she never blamed home birth or never blamed our midwife and was really trusting and like god in the universe and what had happened but for Mm. me i was like oh my god that can happen right like those things happen Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah and then a couple other things happened. Like um, one of the girls I know <clears throat> gave birth to a baby who had Down syndrome and he needed heart surgery. And then another one of the home birth moms had preeclampsia and de- delivered by cesarean at 36 weeks. So like all these women coming before me were having these like, you know, unexpected, really terrible, you know, experiences and I was it shook me so much um but I guess you know like I just kept plugging along like I wasn't gonna choose not to give birth at home like I don't I definitely felt safer giving staying at home um especially given like what I went through with my son in the shoulder dystocia I was like if I went to the hospital you know First, like, I don't know if they offer me an epidural, I might say, yeah, like if I'm in pain in the hospital and then if you have an epidural, you can't move around to help get the baby out if they're stuck. So Mm -hmm. I did not want, you know, to test myself with that. And, you know, at one point it occurred to me, like, if I just had a C-section right now, I know my baby would be okay. But I guess Mm -hmm. that's not true either right? Like there's risk Mm -hmm. to C-sections. But I just stuck it out. And um, I guess I should mention with this baby, I was checking my blood sugars to see like if I had gestational diabetes. I mean, they seemed okay. Like they weren't crazy high or anything. Um, Mm -hmm. My midwife said that she thought... um, I was growing like about the same size baby as my last pregnancy. And uh, um, later she admitted to me that in like my final weeks of pregnancy, she was like, whoa, you're getting kind of big. But she didn't tell me that because she knew it would freak me out. But um, Mm -hmm. I think she did at some point start to suspect a pretty big baby. But Mm -hmm. um. This um, this baby went past 41 weeks and took me all the way to the cusp of 42 weeks. And um, I think the day before I turned 42 weeks, my midwife came over and was like, well, how about I'll just give you a sweep 
And I was like, okay. So she um, was going to give me a sweep, but when she checked me, it was like, wow, you're like five or six, five centimeters, maybe like a stretchy six. Um, I'm not going to do anything. You're just, you know, like baby will come when she's ready. But then she also was like, you're around, like you're at 42 weeks tomorrow. Like some women get this far and want to give labor a little nudge. Like you could drink some castor oil. Why don't you do that? So I, uh, I was like, I don't really want to, but Mm -hmm. she suggested drink it in the morning. And then, you know, like you'll have a baby by the evening time, you know? And I was like, okay, maybe. So my husband went mm-hmm. to um and got some castor oil that night. She recommended like mixing it in um ice cream or something. And mm-hmm. uh I think it was chocolate ice cream, but um in the morning my husband was like, "You know what? I'll take the kids. We'll go over to my mom's house, just have some quiet time." So I took a bath and just hung out and I was having lots of like practice contractions. In fact, like with this pregnancy, I thought I was in labor at least two other times, but it kind of fizzled out. Um, And then finally around four o'clock, I was like, okay, I'm going to drink it. I wanted like, if labor to started, I wanted it to be, I wanted to have the baby at night so that my kids would be asleep. Like I didn't want them running around all day. Um, Mm -hmm. So around four o'clock I drank this castor oil and um my husband got home and I was like you know what I'm gonna go in the attic and get out the baby clothes and um go through the newborn baby clothes and as soon as I got up to the attic I had my first like real contraction Mm. and I was like oh okay this is it but it was so quick like I don't even know if the castor oil had time to work Mm -hmm. to cause this contraction But I also thought, like, maybe it was, like, an energetic thing where, like, I was, like, okay, I'm going to be in labor now and, like, let my body go into labor, you know? Like, I was finally Mm -hmm. ready, did the thing, you know? Um, So this labor was kind of similar to my son's, except um, I moved around a little more. I spent some time in the shower. I was doing like all sorts of different positions. Um, I ended up back in the birth tub. And I should say that during my pregnancy, I did a lot of research about shoulder dystocia. So I had learned, you know, like what I would do if it happened again and like ways Mm -hmm. to prevent it. Like what I learned was that like the, a lot of home births don't see shoulder dystocia because a lot of home births are just like normal physiological birth and you don't mess with things and the babies just come. Right. So Mm -hmm. I had had a previous conversation with my midwife, like, um, you know, when Ellis was born, we broke my water and then, um, I started pushing and then he got stuck. So what if like, maybe that caused it. Like, what if it was too fast? Like, what if he didn't go through what he needed to go through to come out in the right, you know, make the right movements or whatever. 
Like mm-hmm. we rushed that maybe. So she was like, okay, in this birth, we won't break your water. We won't, why don't, like, don't even start pushing until, you know, your body is like making you do it. So when I was in the birth tub, I'm like, <clears throat> I just want my water to break. And she's like, yeah, but you know, we talked about this. I'm not going to do it. And I was like pouting almost because it was so intense and so much pressure. I was like, I just want my water to break. And I yelled and all of a sudden it popped. And I must have had like a bulging bag because it felt like a balloon like popped like right inside my vagina and it kind of like snapped and hurt a little. And I was like, whoa, my mom was like, I heard that. And I was like, yeah, okay, well, that's done. My water has broken on its own. You know, that's great. Um. Then I was like, oh, no, I'm not going to get any breaks now. And my midwife was like, well, you might. But I knew, I just knew that my body was, like, ready to start pushing. And so I started pushing, and she started coming into my pelvis. And I was like, oh, no, like, she's going to be stuck. Like, she feels so big. Like, she felt even bigger than Alice did. And my midwife was like, what do you mean she's stuck? She, we can't even see her yet. And I was like, she just feels so big. Um, so same thing happened where like I tried different positions in the tub after her head was born. She wanted, she wasn't coming out. My midwife was like, okay, what did we do last time? Um, like I stood, I stood up in the pool this time. Like I couldn't even my body wouldn't let me try to stay under the water and I tried pushing her out standing. Um, that didn't work. Um, so they were like, okay, get out of the tub. I got out of the tub and I don't know if I tried to squat or not, but that's, I think they were just like, just lay down. So I laid down and my eyes were closed. Somehow my legs got up to my, um, you know, like pulled back to my shoulders. Um, Someone was like pushing on my pelvic bone. My midwife had an assistant for this birth and she reached in, freed the baby's shoulder. And I was like, I saw lightning, you know, like it was so intense. And Mm -hmm. then um, part of like her arm must have came out and I was like, oh my God, that feels so much better. And I knew part of the baby was still in me, but then she pulled the rest of the baby out and was like, the baby's okay. And my mom was like, oh my God, she's so beautiful. And I was like, she, she. (laughs) So I I just thought it was going to be a boy. So I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, can I pick her up? Like I asked, can I pick her up? And my midwife was like, uh, I might have to give her a couple breaths. And I was like, she's good. I'm picking her up. And I picked her up and um, was like, come on. And, you know, got her coming around. And um, she was a little bit gurgly and, you know, mm-hmm. her breathing wasn't great, but it was okay. Um, and she had a really long cord, which was kind mm-hmm. of bizarre. She was big. Um and they, then I was like, oh, no, my placenta. And they were like, yeah, big babies are big placentas. So I got back in the tub. 
gave birth to this really big placenta and um you know later on we weighed the baby she was 10 pounds and two ounces so she was a pound and two ounces bigger than my baby who i thought was really big um but she was okay like you know whether or not like she got hung up on her shoulder or because she was so big like i everyone knew what to do i knew what to do like there was i guess like maybe i was a little frantic like in that moment like i knew when delivery actually came that like i was gonna need help and like i wish i would have told my husband like i need you to make me like chill like help me breathe like at one point i was like someone help me breathe but everyone was so busy doing other stuff or focusing on something else that like you know um i wish i would have like reined that in a little maybe it would have helped i don't know but mm-hmm. you know she she came out she's okay my recovery was a little different this time like i don't know if i had a bruised tailbone or a broken tailbone but it really hurt to sit down for like two to three weeks. Um, the front part of my pelvis where like the symphysis is really ached for a long time um, after that. But, you know, like I've recovered since and had another baby after that. So, um, yeah, that was mm-hmm. my daughter Ada's birth. Um when she got here, I was like, kind of in shock. Like I was like, oh yeah, we're having a baby. Like, I think part of me like refused to believe it until she was like actually here and safe, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't really bond with, you know, I tried to, but like part, there was a wall up that was really scared of like, you know, her not making it or whatever, but. And then mm-hmm. after that, like she was born on November 29th and like the year anniversary of our loss was like four or five days later or six days later. So it was a really intense like initial mm-hmm. postpartum period, mm-hmm. but um, we got through it and yeah, that's my little rainbow baby. Mm-hmm. And happy belated birthday to Ava. She just oh, had a birthday, huh? Yeah. <laughs> she just, she just She's wild. <laughs> then, Very cool. And then my last pregnancy, I guess um, I'll try to wrap it up kind of quickly, but um, this pregnancy, like I started out with it gestational diabetes like a1c test to see Mm -hmm. again like where did this giant these giant babies come from um and every like my numbers were good i don't really remember what they were but it seemed like there was nothing to really worry about so um i still continue to monitor my blood sugar throughout my pregnancy um I did like find like close relationships. Like if I ate something really processed, my blood sugar would go up. But, and then I read uh, that book, Lily Nichols, Real Food for Gestational Diabetes. And I listened to some different podcasts and 
learned about like eating protein with anything that might be like higher sugar, or higher carb and, you know, going for walks after meals and all these things. Um, I, just to note, like I've never been someone that has gained a terribly amount of weight during my pregnancy either. Like with Ada, my 10 pound baby, I only gained like 15 pounds. So I don't know, like I was really stumped. Like, is this something I'm doing or is this just genetics? My husband was a pretty big baby, like over nine pounds. So maybe just genetics. Mm -hmm. Um, but like my dream was that like, I could deliver, like deliver that I could give birth and catch my own baby. You know, like I have had these home births and they were awesome, but like I had not been able to like get my, catch my own baby. Mm -hmm. And like for some people that might be like, whatever, like your baby's fine. They're healthy. Like that's just something I wanted to do, you know, like to have that possibility. Um, but it also like puts a lot of pressure on, put a lot of pressure on me to like somehow make this magically smaller baby that I could deliver and catch on my own, you know, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, so I worked on that for the pregnancy and towards the end of the pregnancy, I was done and I love birth, but I was like, I don't. Like, I didn't want to do maternity pictures. I didn't want a video at my birth or pic like, I didn't care. I just was like, I'm done. I'm not enjoying this, you know? And then I felt bad because I was like, why do you feel this way? Like you love birth so much, but I started doing like some self-care stuff. I had a lot of massages and I started doing acupuncture not necessarily to like induce labor, but I was like, well, if there's anything I can do to get my energy straight, to make sure that I don't go so far over my due date, which might help make a bigger baby. Um, like I had this idea that since when I drank that castor oil, labor started that I like somehow had this magical key of like energetics to be like, I'm ready. And then like, I would go into labor, you know, mm -hmm. like maybe that's true, but also like, maybe it's not, mm -hmm. we don't know why or how birth starts. Right. But so I started doing acupuncture and that I really enjoyed it. It was super blissful for me. I don't think that it helped me go into labor, <laughs> which I guess that wasn't the point, but, um, it helped me to connect with my baby a little more and feel like some of the light that he was bringing. Um, and let's see. Um, so I went into labor with him at 42 plus two. I swore I would not drink castor oil this time, not mm -hmm. even think about it because even though like, I don't know, if it's, I don't know what it did just with my labor, but it gave me like really bad gas cramps and like mm -hmm. on top of contractions, like who wants to deal with that? Like I was so uncomfortable when I did that. So I was like, I'm not doing that. Like, it's fine. I'll come when he comes. Um, and it was Friday the 13th 
And I was like, oh, I don't know if I want a Friday the 13th baby. But my mom was like, well, your grandpa was a Friday the 13th baby. I was like, eh, uh, I don't know. So at exactly midnight on November 14th, I had my first contraction. And I thought that was funny. But um, it was a wonky labor. Like my, it started at midnight and my past two labors, like they started and they ended within like six or seven hours. And this one, like it did not, I called my midwife and my mom to come. And when they got there, my labor stopped. So everyone just went to sleep. And then my contractions slowly started coming back. And my midwife was like, I'm going to go shopping and visit another client. I'll be back later. And then I labored like all day. I've never had a daytime baby, but my um, last year he was a daytime baby. Um, and I just couldn't figure out like, what's wrong? Like, why, what is taking so long? What is, what is this, you know? And I did feel mm -hmm. a little like everyone was waiting around for me, you know, and I hate feeling that way, like feeling rushed or feeling watched, but my house is set up in a way that like, you know, like I, I invited all these people, well, not all these people, my midwife and her assistant and my mom. So like, you know, I'm feeling a little watched, but, um, yeah. So I around like, I don't know. I don't know how it went. It's kind of blurry, but mm -hmm. I think that they, my midwife kind of instructed um, her student or asked if her student could check me. And I was like, uh, okay. Like it wasn't anything against her student. It was more like, I don't want to be checked right now. Like it's really hard to like find that window of being checked but okay, sure, go ahead, check me. Um, and, you know, that I think she checked me a couple times. And at one point, there was more conversation about like, what about my water? And um, mm -hmm. I guess I must have like really strong ba water bags because they don't just break. Um, but I, it's so blurry, but I believe like, I was like, well, let's just break my water then. Like, let's get this moving. Um, mm -hmm. And like this time my midwife was like, okay. I think she just was like, well, we um, managed the last two births. So whatever, like this is taking a while if it will help. Okay. Um, but mm -hmm. when they broke my water, they couldn't tell like if it worked or not. And I was like, no, I felt it. It worked. But they weren't sure and them not being sure made me like second guess it. So mm -hmm. I was really resistant to start pushing because I was like, well, if something's in the way, it's going to make it harder. Like, I don't want to like be pushing and make it harder than it has to be, you know. Mm -hmm. But then totally. finally, one more time, I got, yeah, one more time mm -hmm. I got checked and her student was like, there's like, I don't feel a water bag, you know, like. There's no more cervix, like, not really, like, just whenever you're ready, I guess, you know. So, like, almost immediately after that, like, I just was like, okay, I'm ready. I think I had waited so long or maybe had, like, some control over it. Like, 
I was trying to slow things down. Like I was trying to give my body like time to like, um, you know, the baby's head to mold or whatever, which I mean, that doesn't exactly make sense if I'm begging for them to break my water. Like that's not like, um, giving your body time to happen on its own. Right. But like, I just, something about me was resistant and I was like, I don't, I'm not re-. like, I just, I don't know. Maybe cause my last birth was super intense. Um, and my hips were aching so bad. And I was like, these feelings are just so huge. Like I just, it was intense. Um, but so after she finally checked me, I started pushing and I could feel him coming down. And like this time I knew, um, I'm going to coach myself. Like if I can't get my husband to coach me, I'm going to coach mm-hmm. myself to stay calm through these moments. And like, I had worked with someone that I met online that helped me do like fear clearing with essential oils. And she taught me about J breathing. And Mm. so like I was really trying to stay calm and not be frantic in like such an intense moment of the baby coming out. Um, Mm -hmm. I like coach myself through, you know, and I'm like, okay, is his head out? And they're like, no, we can see up to his eyebrows. And I'm like, okay. And then they're like, okay, now his head's out. Or I'm like, is that the shoulder? Whatever. They're like helping me know what's happening. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I have to get his shoulder out. Um, but like th- this time, like I tried to do it. Like I tried to get his shoulder out. And I think my midwife, I think I was like, just get him. Just take him. Just help me. And my midwife like checked, was like, no, he's coming took her hands off. It's going to make me cry. Was like, you can do it. Let her do it. Because her assistant was like ready to like jump in and help and do the shoulder to Sosha move or whatever. But she was like, take your hands off. Let her do it. Mm -hmm. And then like my eyes were clenched shut. So I didn't know. Um, what was happening or who was touching the baby and the baby's moving. So you don't know, like that feels weird too. Um, Mm -hmm. But then she was like, Evan, catch your, get your baby. And he was, I looked down and he was in the tub, kind of like half, still half in me. And I was just really shocked. Like what just happened? Like I didn't, my eyes were closed. I didn't know what happened, but, apparently I was catching my own baby and um mm. you know I scooped him up and was like oh my god and everyone was so excited but at the same time like part of me is like did that even happen like mm-hmm. like I, it's like disbelief like I don't like I know at some point she had her hands on the baby so like I don't know like I just doubt it a little like, I'm like, would they just tell me that I did it, even though I didn't? Just so I'm, like, happy about my birth? I don't know. But, you know, everyone, my mom's like, look at this picture. Her hands are on the side of the birth top. And I'm like, I don't know. I I don't know why I wouldn't believe it, you know. But so, anyway, he it was a boy, and we got to see that he was a boy. And um, uh, let's see. 
My children were not home for this birth, so they got brought home. My daughter wanted to cut the cord, but Mm -hmm. when she got home and we gave her the scissors to cut the cord, she was like, no, I'm not. I'm not doing that. (laughs) Um, So we're like, okay, well, how about some skin to skin then? So she got to hold the baby skin to skin and then my uh, younger two kids got home and they got to meet their baby brother and it was really exciting. Um, and yeah, just like a super peaceful postpartum and mm. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That yeah. was a long winded story. I'm sorry if it took so long. No, it's, it was great. Thank you so much, Evan. Um, yeah. And all of it, all, all of the, like I said, before we started recording the spiralic nature of all of your, of your stories and just how it all beautifully weaved together. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for, for allowing me to sit here and witness you and to hear your stories. I really, truly am honored and I really appreciate you for that. Thank you so much. Um, and is there, um, any last parting words of wisdom that you would like to leave our listeners with today? Um, Well, I guess like one of the main things I would say is just like, you know, if someone tells you you can't do something and you believe them, then you can't do it. Right. But like if Mm -hmm. someone tells you you can't do something and you do believe them or you believe that you can, it makes such a big difference. And I, I guess for me, I just believed that I could you know eventually mm-hmm. anyway but yeah well like yeah. I heard I heard that like if you had a previous shoulder dystocia you're not like in some places you're not allowed to you're not eligible for another home birth you know so like wow. I would have technically been risked out yeah um but in my opinion like I was safer at home with less intervention um And, you know, even like my midwife was like, or my mom was like, honestly, like she had never seen birth before. I was a cesarean baby, but she was like, honestly, I'm just so amazed by how calm it all was. Even like in the Mm -hmm. face of everything that went on, you know, like they were just so calm, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just, um, I do, I, for me, I believed I was safer at home. And um, yeah, I guess that's parting words. I don't know. Beautiful. That was, that was great. Thank you so much again. This is, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Jaden. Thank you so much for listening. Storytelling is a profound agent of change. One that has the ability to plant seeds of inspiration introspection, and beyond. If you have an empowering birth story that you would like to share on our podcast, please head over to IndieBirth.org forward slash birth warrior to send your submissions. That's IndieBirth.org forward slash birth warrior. Hope you have a beautiful week wherever you are in the world. Until next time, friends.